Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Witnesses series today, we're going to talk about supernatural power. Amen. This morning, supernatural power, power to be witnesses. Amen. Today, we'll go to the book of Acts, chapter 13. We're going to read verses 8 through 12. Are you going to be able to control that for me? I know you're just one man. You're going to? All right. You, the man. Amen. I appreciate it. Starting with verse number 8, but Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Amen. Power to be witnesses. We want to talk about supernatural. Amen. Power today. Hallelujah. Let's ask for the Lord's help here this morning. God, we come to you. We need, Lord Jesus, God, you to enlighten our hearts and our minds, God, concerning your word this morning. I pray, oh God, that you're able, Lord, to condition us, Jesus, God, Lord, to be witnesses unto you, witnesses, God, unto this world. I pray, oh God, that you have, Lord, given us, Jesus, God, a story. And, God, we have, Lord, your story. And I pray, oh God, that we could just spread that abroad. Lord, everywhere that we go, that we could be witnesses, oh Lord, eyewitnesses, oh Lord, of your majesty, Lord, and share that, oh Lord, God, with those, Lord, who are still yet, God, in the wings, waiting to experience, God, what we have. I praise you and I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. We've taken a lot of our scriptures from the book of Acts so far in this study. We've taken a lot of our scripture, and we have talked about how this was exciting times in the book of Acts with the birth of the church, with the expanding of the gospel to every area, with the preaching of the gospel, even amidst opposition, preaching that is taking place, the teaching that is taking place. The Bible says that there were Certain prophets even that would come down and teach and preach and speak into the lives of the people. It listed some of them by name in Acts chapter number 13. So there's some great things, not just secluded to Jerusalem, but also unto Antioch, the Bible says, with the Gentiles. Among the Jews, among the Gentiles, among every tribe and nation. And so, as I think we spoke about last week, that the Holy Ghost uh, put forth Paul and Barnabas to go forward and do a work in which it had called them to and to operate in such a way. And in their process of going and doing their work, 
the Bible tells us that they come to a particular place where there was a man and by the name of Sergius Paulus. He is the deputy of this particular country that they had went to. And as they went there, they are doing as they have done. They are sharing the gospel with this gentleman. They're sharing the power of the Lord with him. But the Bible says that as they do this, as they speak to him, as they have an encounter with him, they're also encountered by something very unique or someone very unique, and that is Elymas, or that which is known as a sorcerer. They have opposition, though, from this man. And so on one hand, while they're trying to spread the gospel to someone that has an interest or a hunger for it, on the other hand, they are being withstood by a sorcerer. And this man who was a sorcerer was serving as an assistant to Sergius Paulus. The Bible says that he absolutely withstood Paul and Barnabas in their efforts to speak to Sergius Paulus. He withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy, this man that they were speaking to, to turn him away from the faith. Hands down this morning, I think this is simple, but I think it's something that we must come uh, to terms with. And that is anybody that you go for the purpose of inviting them to church, introducing them to the love of God that you have been introduced to, note well that there is going to be another force that you're going to have to contend with. And that is a force that's going to try to withstand you to try to just do the opposite of what you are doing. We are living in a very real world and there is literally a tug of war for the souls of mankind. For the souls of humanity, there is a tug of war that's taking place. You start getting somebody, you know, just with their feet in the door of the church and all uh, hell is going to break loose in their life to discourage them uh, to not go to church, to try to keep them from church. Every excuse in the book will come down the pike and land on their lips and mouth for the reason why they can't go there. I'm not surprised when that happens because what I realize is this, it's that tug of war. It's that tug of war. It is a spirit of another world that's trying to withstand the good that is starting to take place in their life. It's a spirit of another world that's trying to turn them away from the faith. Uh, sad to hear, but the enemy doesn't want you in church. The enemy doesn't want anybody saved. He doesn't want any, anybody to go to heaven. He's done decided that if the lake of fire and hell is his bed, that he wants everybody else to lie down in it with him. Amen. But quite on the contrary, we want to see people, amen, born again of the water and the spirit and make heaven their home. And so there is a tug of war. There is opposition that you will be met with. But here's the thing on how Saul or Paul, as he's also noted in scripture, responded. The Bible says he set his eyes on him. He set his eyes on that opposing force and he called a spade a spade. Now, he must have had enough of it. He said, oh, you, you fool of subtility, child of the devil, enemy of righteousness. Man, he just went down, the, whoop, went down the line. Enemy of righteousness, amen, all mischief. He, meant, he said, are, are, when, when are you going to just cease to trying to pervert the right ways of the Lord? He had had enough with Elymas trying to uh, discourage Sergius Paulus from the faith. And the Bible says that whenever Paul continued, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came down upon Sergius Paulus, struck him with blindness, and that he could not see the sun for 
a season. Secondly, I want you to understand, yes, there is a tug of war force that happens, amen, going after, if you will, the souls of mankind. But secondly, secondly, we need not take a back seat to that force. In other words, we don't have to cross our arms and say, well, I guess that's just the way it's going to be, so we're just going to have to go on. No, 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 no. The Bible says that Paul put his eyes upon him. You know what that means? He seen the problem, he noticed the problem, and he says it's time to do something about the problem. Amen. So how do we do that, Brother McGee? I tell you how. You start. You have someone to start coming and they start missing. Man, recognize the problem. Amen. Yeah. You might need to go to a little bit more prayer for that individual. That whatever it is that's hindering them or whatever excuses that are coming. It might be good to pick up the phone. Amen. Uh, if this isn't their first offense, you know, they're just newly coming. You might just need to pick up the phone and say, hey, just missing you. Just wondering if everything's okay. Because there is a tug of war that is real. And if we're just going to give up at the tug in the opposite direction every time, then we will remain as we are. Amen. Uh, if, if it was the first stripe that was laid to the back of Jesus, he said, well, boys, you know what? I, I just realized this is enough. We, we can just end this right now. I'll just leave you all alone and I'll go about my business. We'd never had a Calvary. But he said, no, I'll take stripe one, stripe two, all the way to 39. I'll take a crown of thorn up on my heads. I'll take piercing through. Why? Because he knew there's a tug of war. And sometimes it takes a lot of effort. Takes a lot of effort for the purpose of the souls of mankind and the souls of humanity. And so it's interesting that Paul spoke that the you're going to be struck with blindness. This is going to come upon you. And what's so interesting about that is the very turning point in Paul's life is whenever he was struck with blindness. Remember Saul? The Bible says he was struck with blindness for three days. He he didn't need anything. He's there in this darkness until the Lord sent Ananias to him put his hands upon him and then the Bible says scales as though it were on his eyes that fell and he received light but he also received the spirit and he was baptized amen in the spirit and baptized with water and his sins were washed away so I, I don't know if Paul had this in mind that maybe this guy's going to have to see the grossness of darkness before he'll be able to see the brilliance of the light some people's paths are like that they got to hit rock bottom that's a hard prayer to pray if you've ever prayed the prayer Lord whatever you need to do for them to them in order for them to come find you just know it well the Lord might take you up on that prayer it might plunge them to the bottom and if you have any association with them you'll feel like your world's being wrecked apart too but if the ultimate outcome is the salvation of a soul then thank you, Jesus, for having the wisdom to do what needs to be done in order to bring them, per se, from darkness unto life. We don't know Paul's full motivation, but again, it may have been because he realized he had to reach that moment in his own life, and perhaps this man would need to reach that moment in his life. But here's the fact of the matter. Sergius Paulus, he is observing everything that's taken place. Amen here. And whenever he's seen this miraculous smiting of Elimaeus at the words of Paul, the Bible says he believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. In other words, what amazing result it was. God gave Paul in a moment supernatural power. Amen. This man is struck with blindness. Amen. He gave him the ability to silence the opposition. 
silenced the other part that was tugging upon Sergius Paulus. And when this happened, the Bible says that Sergius Paulus believes upon the Lord and concerning the doctrine of the Lord. Point number one this morning is this. God-given authority brings supernatural power. And I'm not talking about being in, well, that person is just gifted. Let me tell you, each and every one of you, if you've been born again of the water and the spirit, you are gifted. Mm -hmm. You are gifted with a supernatural power. He's given us the authority in the book of Acts to walk and talk and speak as witnesses of him, witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you were qualified to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, you were empowered. Acts 1 and 8 that we like to quote, that they received power after that the Holy Ghost came upon them to be witnesses. And ye shall be witnesses, he said, unto me. Now, it's important that he didn't say, and some of y'all are going to be witnesses. Or select few of you is going to be witnesses. No, he's saying those that have been dued with that power from on high and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, ye all. And, uh, maybe Southern uh, Illinois language, ye all are ewans. Ye all shall be witnesses. He's given you the power and the authority, supernatural power, to be a witness unto him. And so, secondly, each of us has been empowered and given the authority to be his witness. God has given you. I know we might not realize this or we try to shrug it off, but God has given us a unique spiritual power to be his influence in this real world. Remember what Jesus said uh, unto Peter. We're talking about this idea of, of there's things that's tugging a war in our life. Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan desired to have you to sift you as wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you and that when you are converted, you are to strengthen the brethren. So in that, we see two things. There is the tug of war, but Jesus says, I prayed for you. And when you're converted, what are you to do? You are to strengthen the brethren. He says, whenever you get converted now, you have influence, you have power, amen, to have influence upon others that was in the same condition, the same place where you had been at. So he gives us power to speak our story, to speak his story, amen, and to become, if you will, an influence in somebody else's story. Something that the early disciples understood is that they understood that their worship and their evangelism was more than just religious practices to them. In the Old Testament, it seemed just that, a formality. It seemed a practice, bring the right offering, the right gift at the right time. But it was more than that to them. They were just not random acts of religious service for them that they took place uh, in on a weekly, daily basis at church. But they were a part of their lifestyle. And it caused them to become a missional group of people, meaning that they understood that they had received something from the Lord. They had received the spirit of the Lord. They received the power of the Lord. They're thankful for what God had done for their life. But now they have been commissioned now once they have been a receiver to become a giver. That from being having been changed now they were to be a changer so to speak. The old proverb, the old proverb used to say this. Uh, you give a man a fish and he eats for a day, right? You teach him how to fish 
and he'll eat for a lifetime. Right? And so, so, so these disciples and apostles, it was more than just receiving a fish for a day because we don't watch it. We'll just get in the receiver mentality. Right? It's a new day. I need another fish. But hopefully we're discipling people not just to be receivers but givers, amen, to go out and be changers for the world, changers for other humanity that's in need of the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, they had to be committed to the work of God. We had to be committed to the work of God. There are two things that they need to be committed to. They need to be committed to the work of God that was in them, but they had to also be committed to the work of God that was around them. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we'll get so committed about what God is doing in us, we'll forget that what he's doing in us, he would like to, to duplicate in somebody else. And so they had to be committed to the work of God that was in them. Yes, we need to, uh, you know, get our lifestyle and stuff in harmony with his word and be shaped into the image of God. But we also must be committed to the work that is around us. There is a mission field. What he told his disciples in the New Testament, he said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already. What? To harvest. In other words, Jesus in speaking to disciples was this. It wasn't that there was anything wrong with the harvest. It's what he doesn't say. There's anything wrong with the harvest. The harvest was there. The fields were white already to harvest. It was harvest time. Look up on the fields. So there wasn't anything wrong with the harvest. The difficulty of the matter was getting the laborers in the field. The harvest was there. It, it, it would be like, you know, we just, you know, recently went through a season of all the corn being brought in, all the beans being brought in. We could take anybody and, you know, say, well, look at all that corn. Look at all that beans. And the barn remained empty. And the field remained full. Huh? And we could be standing in December and we could be driving by all these stalks of corn out there and then be saying, well, my goodness, the barns are empty. What's the deal? We look at all that. The barns are empty. But the disconnect isn't that there's not a harvest. The disconnect is anybody going out to get the harvest from the field to the barn. He said they are wine already to harvest. So I can complain about an empty barn, but I can't be complaining about there not being a harvest in the field where it really lies is upon our shoulders. Labors to go into the field that's already ready to bring it to the barn. lift up your eyes and look on the field what it say he's saying guys i've been discipling you i've been teaching you under green trees on high mountains along the river shores i've been telling you about all the necessary things concerning your walk and relationship with god and that's important you need to be introspective about that but don't forget there's a harvest don't forget there's a harvest don't forget there's a harvest what are you saying i'm saying we come in here and we can sing three songs or four and we we can preach and we can have altar service and we can get together for christmas dinners and suppers and all that's great but all the while while we're looking internally we got to look beyond the four walls and say there's a harvest there's a harvest because there'll be empty spots on the sea as long as there's a harvest in the field we need labors to get the harvest in the barn amen nothing wrong with it it's plentiful 
Amen. It's plentiful, but we got to get it in the barn. Amen. The thing is, we have the ability to do that. We have a God-given ability, authority, power to do that. Measures today have gotten better where you hardly miss anything in the field, but every once in a while you still see a lone stalk standing out there that wasn't gotten. We are commissioned to put forth the effort. How can we do this, Brother McGee? I know this seems so simple today, but if we can practice both prayer and fasting, and I'm going to throw this in there for good measure, and act. Prayer, fasting, and acting. Because sometimes you can pray for lost humanity. Pray for even particular souls that you're associated with within your circle. Maybe family members. Pray and fast continually for them. And that, that no doubt will have an invaluable contribution to their life by your prayer and fasting for them. But the fact of the matter is, whenever though the door cracks open for you to have a conversation... We're praying, God, save them. But when the door opens for a conversation, do we act upon it? Do we believe enough in the power of prayer that it's going to cover us in the moment of acting? You understand what I'm saying? You see through Scripture, that was a common, that was a common uh, thread or theme through Scripture. It wasn't that people just prayed, but they acted on what they were praying about. Right? We... we uh, just, just this past week, someone pray, or was preaching on the story of Elijah and about hearing the sound of the abundance of rain. Good case in point. The Bible says that Elijah went with his head between his knees and he prayed. But what did he also do? He sends the servant seven times looking for what he's praying about. Right? So I'm praying about rain. Now go see. Is it? Go act. Go act. Right? It's like, <laughs> is someone all right? So it's not about just praying about these things, but it's acting on those things. Acting upon the things that you are praying about. God, I'm praying, Lord, my God, let, let oh, Bobby, let Bobby come to church. Let Bobby come to church. God, save Bobby's soul. Oh, Lord, change some circumstances. Like let conviction fall on his heart. Touch Bobby, oh, God. Oh, God, touch Bobby. Special service coming up or having something at the church. The pastor from the thing says, man, that's a good opportunity to invite someone. Nobody, though. Same person praying for Bobby. Bobby doesn't invite Bobby. Oh, God, touch Bobby. Let Bobby come. Now, I'll have it. There's been people show up here that didn't have, per se, an invitation that just showed up. But I wonder how many more would show up if we had just acted and invited. I don't know. So it's not just about praying and fasting. It's about acting. About acting. Prayer changes things. Absolutely prayer changes things. Absolutely. Sometimes we need though to act. Jesus prays for the blind man. And he says go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And when he washed. Sight is given back to the blind man. Prayer. And acting. 
prayer, and acting. Amen. Sometimes whenever you start to pray for people, the Lord will direct your steps for those moments of when you need to act for them and with them in their life. We've been saying along the way, you know, something that's vitally important is that we must share our personal story. That's true. One time in Scripture, Jesus is in the country of Gadara. There is a man who is demon-possessed. He's naked. He's somewhat crazy. They've tried to bind him with chains, but he continuously breaks those chains. And so finally, he has an interaction with the Lord. And whenever they come to find this gentleman... He has been delivered of his unclean spirits. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. The Bible says he is clothed and he is in his right mind. Amen. And the Bible says that after all of this has been said and done and happened, that this man who had been with unclean spirits wants to go with the Lord, wants to go with the disciples as they're leaving Gadara. He wants to accompany them and go with them. But what is Jesus' words to that gentleman? He has another plan for his life. Amen. The Bible says in Mark 5 and verse 19, how be it Jesus suffered him not. He's wanting to go along with the Lord and the disciples to the next place they're going to go. But the Bible says, Jesus says, no, he suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to the friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and have compassion on thee. You know what he said? He said, we, 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 we need you to go back into your world. We need you to go back to where you live and among your family and you need to tell them about what has happened in your life. Man, you know, not every one of us that gets saved are going to be going to the mission field or go to the evangelist field or go here and there. You know what, God, he has us all though, missionaries and all evangelists. He just wants us to go back to our world, our community, our circle of life, and then be able to tell and express through our lives what God has done for us. Oh, Brother McGee, they won't ever know. Oh, yes, they will know. They will know. The Bible says we are epistles written and read of all men. Whenever in the Old Testament times that God came down and fell upon the Old Testament Saul, the Bible says that the Lord touched him and gave him another heart. And the Bible says that Saul became another man. And then whenever Saul was walking and came among the prophets, he started prophesying. And there were those that were observing all this and said, Is not this the son of Kish? Is this not Saul? Is he also prophesying among the prophets? You know what they were saying? Something's happened to that boy. That isn't the same old son of Kish. Something's different about him. What's different? He's had a experience with God and it was observed and noticed by those that knew him. Folks, people will see when there's a change in your life and it helps if you have a testimony to tell it that they can hear it as well. Amen. Is, the, is, that old, is that the same old Bob? Is that the same old Roxanne? Is that the same old Fred? Absolutely not. What's happened? I'll tell you what happened. I went to the church one night and I was just feeling not quite right and something got a hold of me. Yes. Something got a hold of me. Something got a hold of me. I went a lot of places in my life for my depression. I tried to drink it away, sleep with somebody else away. But when I went to the house of God and I went to the altar and I cried unto the Lord, the Lord heard my cry and he took. Yes. 
Amen. Go home to thy friends, thy family, thy environment, and tell them. You can tell them verbally, and they will already pick up on it just by observing you because you're an epistle that's written in red of all men. The Bible says whenever he took the instruction of the Lord, Mark 5.20, when he did that, he published it in Decapolis, the great things that Jesus had done for him. The Bible tells us this, that all men did marvel at what had taken place in his life. Quite notable, particularly for that area, because they knew him, seen him bound, seen him cutting himself, seen him naked, seen him deranged. Something had changed. Oh, what a testimony. God can do it. Someone hear me today. God can do it. He can take somebody notable within the community that everybody knows is over in left field, involved in all kinds of junk, set them on the first apostolic church, church pew, fill them with the spirit, and you'll have no greater testimony for this church than that life that's been changed. Absolutely. So we're going we're gonna to tell the great things that the Lord has done for us. The old statement is, what he did for me, he can do for you. We say he's no respecter of persons. Because there are many today beyond these four walls that believes that happened for you, but believes it can never happen for them. I don't know what it is. It kind of has maybe a, a churchy polish to it. They believe everybody that's in the church, that can happen for them. But it can never happen to the one that is desiring it. And I'll tell you why most of that is the case. It's because they see you and only have seen you as you are rather than what you was. But whenever you can share your story and tell them what you was, and now they compare that to what you are, then there might be a little glimmer of hope in their spirit. You know what? Maybe this can happen for me. Amen. So you got to tell it. You got to tell it with the way that you tell your story, not just with your mouth, but with the way that you live your life. Yes, sir. Not with your mouth, but just also the way that you live your life. You need to do it with your mouth, but you also need to do it with the way that you live your life. And they need to be in harmony. They need to be in harmony. Our other thing that we have looked at through this course is that we need to not just share our story, but we need to share his story. And again, whenever we talk about, whenever we talk about his death, you can go right over and start talking about repentance. There is a parallel in what happens in our life and what happened in his. We can talk a bit then about his burial and we can talk about our baptism. We can talk about his resurrection and we can talk about our infilling of the Holy Ghost. Being spirit filled, it is tongue and groove. Not only that, there are other portions of his story that they might be able to relate to concerning the miracles and the healings that was done by the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you may come across somebody that's in need of healing. Hmm? That's in need of healing. And to be able to convey that Christ is a healer 
and that he can heal you, huh, is, 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 is bringing, if you will, his story into their story. They, there are addicts that are out there that has tor- horrible addictions. But when we look at the hand of God through scripture and deliverance after deliverance from very things that were very uh, clouded, if you will, things that were very attached to other people that were deplorable circumstances, when they see that, maybe they'll understand that the same God is capable of delivering them from their circumstance and bring them out of wherever it is that they are. The story of God is a love story. It's, it's that thing that modern, or modern day, any day in America, any person in America would know. John 3, 16, they ride it on their shoes. They put it on overpasses and paint, and, <laughs> which is kind of irony to me, but nevertheless, you don't put it anywhere. <laughs> There's nothing greater than seeing the place vandalized that says Jesus loves you. <laughs> well, <laughs> the irony. But... Uh, for God so loved the world. And yet he has chose us to share then his love with a lost world. Because love is a universal need of humanity. Love is a universal need of humanity. They say, psychologists and stuff say, that the desire to love and be loved in return is considered by them to be one of the most basic needs of humanity. A desire to be loved. Amen. To love, to love something, and to be loved in return. It's one of the greatest desires of humanity. What a great thing to be able to be the church, to express love to them, the love of God, and allow them to have something that they can truly put their love and confidence in. In the city of Alexandria, end with this story this was from brother Mangan's church in the city of Alexandria Louisiana in 1950 GA and Vesta Mangan became pastors of what of course now is the Pentecostals of Alexandria in those early years sister Mangan had a dream and a vision of course of reaching her city and that has not went away and now in her 90s she prayed diligently for God to direct her and her team as they regularly went into the city, knocking doors, which was a very effective way of evangelizing and getting new people in that day. Personal evangelism, they would go door to door, almost like a salesman, if you will. We have done it, I know in Kingsbury, I don't know how many times we did the whole city. We've done it here as far as putting on door knockers and trying not to be as invasive in people's lives. But nevertheless, uh, Sister Mangan's team were a couple of outstanding women of prayer. Their names were Carla Clark, and then there was Violet Waters. And Carla and her husband David, along with their family, lived just down the road from, from the Mangans. And uh, their pastor's son, which was Anthony, who is pastor of the church now, Clark's middle boy, Larry, they were, they were good friends. The boys oftentimes would play football as their mothers would go, taking uh, the door knocking from street to street and inviting people to church. Well, in the middle of it all, uh, something happened. There was a burden for the loss that was transmitted. I don't know if they really caught it at that moment, but of course, Anthony is pastor of the church today. But Larry Clark, he is the resident expert at the Pentecostals of Alexandria on teaching, teaching home Bible studies. But this is how all this came about. In 1980, Larry Clark was a 30-year-old member of their local congregation and he had never taught a home Bible study. 
He had been a part of their church for 30 years. And he had never taught a home Bible study. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was a choir member. He was a bus route captain. But he had just never taught a home Bible study. He never went out on a limb to win a soul. One night after his pastor had got done preaching, he felt compelled to go to uh, the altar. Felt like God was leading him to do something. He had all of his excuses that was ready. I'm not, I'm not wired like my mom. That's not me. I'm not wired like Sister Vesta. Uh, I, you know, people won't respond to me like they responded to them. But he went to the altar and he felt that tug upon his heart. And he knew that God wanted to do something with him more than what he had presently been doing. So he went out on a limb. He prayed and he acted. He bought a search for truth Bible study. That's a Bible study that we've used around here. We've even taught part of it in the back one time. The, the youth have taught it over there. Search for truth Bible study. He bought a, a chart. He bought a manual. And he started teaching home Bible studies, but with no great success. As a matter of fact, over the next few years of him teaching Bible studies, everything seemed to go to pot. His life went into chaos. The business that he had owned went under. His only child was diagnosed with an incurable disease. His wife underwent several surgeries. Each one was life-threatening in and of themselves and possibly debilitating to her. And so Pastor G.A. Mangan would come by him every once in a while, seeing him doing what he felt like he should be doing. He would tell him, Larry, whatever happens, don't stop teaching those home Bible studies. Whatever happens in your life, don't stop teaching those home Bible studies. So one time he was in the bookstore, the church. They have a bookstore. He's in the bookstore. Brother Mangan came over to him and said, Larry, he said, don't leave quite yet. There's someone I want you to meet. He introduced him to a couple. They were there shopping. Larry began to speak to them. He told them, hey, I teach home Bible studies. And he would eventually then teach a home Bible study in their home. Amen. So as he taught his home Bible study there, it was just all of a sudden in that moment like a domino effect. These people then that he started teaching a home Bible study to and the others that they knew that they wanted home Bible studies, they started receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They started being baptized in Jesus' name. They had other members or friends that they wanted. It was a ripple effect. He would teach them Bible study. One of them was an addict that one of them had in their family named Joe. Joe was an addict. Amen. He needed deliverance from God. He was on the verge of suicide. His life was a wreck. And so he came uh, to church one night. He was sitting there and the spirit of God was moving in the service. They had a guest speaker, Morton Buster, who God uses in the gifts. And the, the Lord spoke to Morton Buster, to a particular individual. It was Joe that had come. He spoke into his ear. He says, sir, he said, there's a spirit of suicide on you, but Jesus can break that in those chains of addiction and drive out those tormenting spirits. And one once again, this man's life is totally altered and changed. And he's another man that had been taught a home Bible study. Now, here's what I'm saying. 30 years, he did nothing concerning reaching souls. He's going to serve my capacity, do my purpose. And then somewhere along the way, he made contact with the purpose. And he begins teaching home Bible studies. But everything went south. But he kept doing it. And finally, it was that moment in time. Seemed like all the planets lined up. People start receiving the Holy Ghost, being baptized in Jesus' name. And now to this day, Larry, of course, doesn't do it by himself. It's a huge church, but he has a team of people. They have baptized over 8,500 people by home Bible studies. My question to us this morning, maybe something you need to ask rhetorically, is there something I could be doing more? Is there something that I could be doing more that would be having a greater impact 
not upon me, but upon those beyond the four walls of the assembly of the church. If you'll stand with me this morning. But Brother McGee, no buts. You have a supernatural power at your disposal. It's called your witness. It's called your witness. There's nothing more rewarding. I tell you this for a fact. There's nothing more rewarding than teaching a home Bible study. Grab yourself a chart. You can buy them at the Pentecostal Publishing House. Buy yourself a chart, a manual. Read through it, study it, and find somebody that you can sit down at a good old table with and teach them the word of God. Oh, no, 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 no. You get a manual. It's got words in it. Somebody really uncomfortable right now. Do it. Do it. There's people that's hungry for the word. You know what Search for Truth does? It starts in Genesis. It ends in Revelation. In 12 lessons, I believe it is. 12 lessons. Supposed to take, supposed to take about an hour. 12 lessons. Kids, the tops of the trees from Genesis to Revelations. You know what? There's a lot of people that they, they might not care squat about apostolic but they are interested in what God's word says. Mm-hmm. But you know what happens as you, God's word is so powerful. Hear me today. You know what happens when you start to go from God's word of Adam and Eve and the temptation of the garden and you end in Revelation and the dots start to be put together because this is a story of redemption. You know what starts to happen by the time then you get to the New Testament? And you have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you've tied that in with the Old Testament tabernacle because it does. That's what Search for Truth does. And it ties all, and all this gets tied in. People start seeing something. I need that in my life. Chains, even of addiction, start to be broken. Might not happen in a one-point session. But the Word of God, the Word of God is effective. It's effective. Why do you think the Apostle Paul said you're begotten by the gospel? Let me tell you something. You can't be saved without this. You can't be saved without this. By the foolishness. I know you all sometimes think I'm just as boring as, you know, leather on the back of a belt. But by the foolishness of preaching, salvation happens. How can they hear? Except there is what? There is a delivery of this word. This is, you don't even understand the power that lies between these pages, but it is. And if you can share this, you'll start knocking down stuff. You'll start causing things to come to the surface. You'll put desires in a heart and a life that you thought never could desire this at all. Because God's word is powerful. And he's given us supernatural power to equip us with the Holy Ghost, God's spirit living inside of us, to convey it. Let me tell you, there is nothing more meaningful. I I challenge you. I challenge this church family. If you've been a part of the church for 25 years, 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, and you never taught a home Bible study, I challenge you, do it. Do it. Because I tell you, I'm telling me personally, there have been minimal, very few home Bible studies I ever taught in the entirety of my life that by the time I've gotten through it, that person isn't baptized in Jesus' name. 
I mean, very few could probably count them on one hand. I've done several more than what five. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the one baptized in Jesus' name. I'm a salesman here today. I'm telling you, do it. Because if I can multiply me to 60, well, we're not you, Brother McGee. No, you're not. But if you go with his word, you go with that spirit inside of you, God will prosper your way. You hearing me? God will prosper. This church would double by next year. I guarantee you. If everybody grabbed themselves a chart and a home Bible study and started teaching throughout this next year. You may not believe me, but I tell you right now, I'm absolutely so on it. It would. Is everybody uncomfortable? <laughs> I'm going to make a mat. I'm going to take church money and buy a bunch of charts and a bunch of manuals and I'm going to hand them out. And I'm going to make I'm going to make you have to pay the church back by each Bible study that you teach X number of Bible studies and you'll have the church paid back for your chart and your manual. There's some pastors uh, that I run circles with their young preachers don't even get to preach until they teach a Bible study and then they have an opportunity to preach. And they only get the pulpit after each time they've taught a Bible study. Well, that's ridiculous. No, that's how important this thing is. It is. So we're not hard, but that is a great idea. <laughs> it's important. We have this message. We have this message, such a glorious message. People, here's the thing. People are hungry for things that they don't even realize they're hungry for. You ever been, you know, they say the worst time to go to the grocery store is when you're hungry. Right? I've, I've experienced it in my own life. Why? Because you throw everything in under the sun in the cart, but you're hungry. Whenever you get home, you start eating it all until whatever it is that it seems like satisfies you hit it. You don't even know what it, what, what it is you're looking for until you come upon it. There are people in this world today, there is a hunger. But they don't even really know what it's for until they've come in contact with it. We got to get in contact with people. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I come to you. God, I pray, Lord, you challenge, Lord, every fiber of the being of your people today. God, challenge the fiber of the being of every individual here this morning. God, help me, Lord, to be aware of what you're doing in me, but to be aware of God and committed to what you want to do around me. I pray, oh God, today that you're able to minister, Lord Jesus, to the souls of your people, the hearts of your people. God, I pray, oh Lord, today, God, we need thee. God, I know, Lord Jesus, you've empowered us. I know, Lord Jesus, you've given us the gift of your spirit. I pray, oh, Lord God, that you're able to walk, Lord. You're able to talk, Lord Jesus, God. Through, Lord, our voice and through our minds, I pray, oh, God, today. Lord, let the anointing of your spirit, God, fall upon this group of people this morning. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we can be a standing invitation to someone, God, that our life, God, can be a story that can be observed. And, God, that we would back it, God, and we would associate it with our own words in our mouth, God, about what you have done and what you can do, Lord Jesus, for someone else. I pray, oh, God, help us this morning to be what you would want us to be. Oh, Holy
Holy Ghost. Let us have sleepless nights. Let us be troubled in our spirits, O God. Let us not, Lord Jesus, to be contented. Let us not be contented. I pray, O Lord God, let there be a deep struggle, Lord, within our lives, God. God, for seeking and saving, God, that which is lost. The purpose, God, that you left your throne in glory to come down, Lord Jesus, to seek out and do. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen to the church. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.